Welcome friends, I am so grateful you are joining us today for Homespun, where we discover the, all the magic that comes from refocusing our lives around the home. I'm your host Catherine Garland, a wife, a mama, and a lover of all things homemaking, who is passionate about creating a dream life of safety and joy for my four incredible children. I cannot wait to share today's conversation with you. Let's get into it. Hello friends and welcome back to Homespun. I have a wonderful interview for you today with Adrienne Boer. She is an author and her journey through that process was just so wonderful and full of all kinds of wisdom and insights that she had for herself and her family. And she shared that entire process with us today. And there's just so many nuggets of goodness. And the focus of this was all about how the golden rule truly is more of a reflection on yourself before you can even apply it to others and how she came to that realization and all the magic and the goodness that goes along with that. So I hope you enjoy this discussion I had with her. I know I really did, and I know I found it really powerful right down in my bones. So please enjoy. Hi, everyone, and hello, Adrian. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm really excited to hear all about your journey. So thank, thank you. you. I'm excited to be here too. So um, I guess to begin, if you're okay, just elaborating on your journey, back home you said you your journey came brought you back home once you were already a parent and uh kind of how that looked and how that felt and and your story if you could start there yeah I will um I grew up in a family of eight children and my mom was always at home and I loved that she was there I had plenty of friends who you know had another scenario and they worked out fine also but I that was just that was just kind of my ideal that was where I thought I should work toward so even going through college I was trying to decide between going to a dance major or going to a fashion design major and I thought and I made my decision on fashion design because I could sew from home Hmm. and I couldn't run a dance I suppose I might have been able to run a dance studio from home but but it just seemed like sewing matched up with my idea of being at home and but also wanting to be able to contribute to the family uh, finances when needed something that you can scale up or scale down you know I really thought this through ahead of time that Mm -hmm. that I could have something that would be uh, that would work with home and family of course before you start having kids, you really don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know how many you could have, if you can, if you can't, whatever. Mm-hmm. So long story short, we ended up with 10 children. We, and that's just because my husband came from a large family too, and it just felt natural to us. And we just decided not to, not to block the, the mechanisms that bring kids in. Yeah. And so every couple of years, you know, here comes another one. Oh. We kind of uh, got submerged very quickly because after being married, we, uh, you know, we've both finished our college degrees. We've both done some traveling, you know, no need to wait. So we got pregnant right away and had twins that came two months early. So by the time wow. we were married, nine months, we had two kids. So wow. that was, we just kind of jumped in with both feet. <laughs> oh, you did. And life was crazy. Oh, I can imagine. I never had twins. (laughs) Yeah. 
oh my goodness, I can't tell you the number of days that my husband came home to three babies crying in the rocking chair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> in one big one. Right. It was, it was tough. It was, yeah. it was tough. It was a good, a good introduction to parenting and to know that, yeah, even though I'm crying in the rocking chair, the two babies smiles, you know, two babies, I, anybody that's a mom knows what it's like to have that kid, you know, yeah. frustrate the heck out of you. And then the next minute, you know, they're just snuggled up and falling asleep on your chest and the whole world is okay again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, goodness. There's just so many, so many ups and downs, so many contrasts. And throughout that, you know, just every, we never had any more twins. Um, but, you know, just every couple of years after twins, you know, I could do anything, right? <laughs> it's sure. kind of snowballed. Every couple of years, there comes another one and just really enjoyed it. Uh, I did not do much sewing from home because I found out that twin toddlers running around with scissors and expensive fabric laying out was not a good, a good scenario. Not the best fit. (laughs) Yeah. um, We did end up going from designer dresses to designer dogs. We started a puppy raising business um, uh, with doodles and mm. raise, uh, we still do some litters. We don't have as much as we did when all of the kids were little. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that was something that was priceless because it was a way, it was a business that I could do and that I could run and the kids were an asset. You know, I didn't have right. to lock them out of the sewing room in order for me to serve customers. Mm-hmm. But having the kids be an asset with those puppies you know, they always ask, are they socialized? Well, heck yeah. What age kid do you have? We'll ha- we have one that matches, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So it was so much fun. And they, you know, they love to feed the puppies. They love to play with the puppies. It just really blended well. So we did find a way for me to stay at home with a growing family. And running a business and, you know, serving in the community. We always like to, whether it's um, 4-H or another community club, we do like to be involved and then let our kids be involved in some community business. So I felt like I was losing myself. It was like every year I got more and more frustrated and more and more just agitated you know, kind of mm-hmm. depressed, but but not really sad, depressed, just mm-hmm. what's going on? Why am I not happy? Why what's what's wrong? Maybe not wrong, but but what's going on? What what's the problem? Why am I lost? Who am I anymore? Who was I? Okay. Um, you know, I was so busy serving everyone, serving my family, you know, figuring out what what they needed, meeting their needs, meeting their expectations. And, oh, well, mom, you didn't get this. And it would just be, you know, like a knife in my chest going, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't, I've got so much going on. And, and it was, it was just hard for me to understand why I was so agitated until so I think I, I I shared with you ahead of time that I was writing a book or I planned to write a book, a book on parenting. Yes. Uh, well, I got a bunch of kids and this started, it started when they were six. 
And when, we, when the had, oldest ones were six? When or... I had six children. Oh, when you had six children. Okay. So yeah, the oldest ones would have been 10. The twins would have been 10. And because the thought occurred to me that if you use the golden rule in your home with your kids, then that golden rule, you know, are you going to treat them like you were treated or are you going to treat them like you wanted to be treated, like you wished you had been treated? And it helped me to kind of jar myself out of my programmed parenting practices. You know, mm. you always come from your family of origin with programming, mm -hmm. with what your parents did, with what you're used to, with how you're used to communicating. And so my husband and I came from very, very different backgrounds. And my family was like super calm. I mean, to the point of just kind of shoving things under the rug, mm. if, if need be, because right. conflict was not, it, it just wasn't happening. You know, if, if everything turned out okay in the end, so why sweat it? You know, it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, my husband's family, on the other hand, they worked things out uh, with more volume, uh, with a little, you know, you yelled at somebody about something because you were frustrated and they'll yelled back because they were frustrated and you, and in the end you work things out, you know? And so when he would try to work things out with me in that manner, and I would just kind of back away and hide in a corner figuratively, you know, I'm just like, okay, you know, whatever. That would feel just, overwhelming avoid the conflict. And then mm -hmm. he would get more frustrated because I wasn't matching his energy and I wasn't working with him to work things out like I was supposed to. And I was frustrated because he wasn't working with me. He was just, you know, in, in my mind, he was just venting and I'm like, oh, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So it was just an odd, it was an odd match and, and we clashed a lot. So, and I didn't help, you know, because I, I just retreated. I just kind of just sat on the back burner, burner of the house and just let things flow, which wasn't a really good tactic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it kept things from exploding, but it didn't help things to thrive. A bit of avoiding is not going to solve the problem. Right. Yeah. Right. And I saw my kids getting used to that. Oh, mom's opinion doesn't matter. Okay. Oh, dad's opinion is the important one because it was louder. And I mean, he would have been fine if I had expressed my opinion loud and then we could have worked it out and made, come to a compromise, but I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. I retreated and mm -hmm. that's, so I was going to write this book. Well, if we could only treat our kids like we would want to be treated. And then I started writing this book and I realized I am not treating me like Oh. I want to be treated. I, <laughs> I'm the cause of my agitation because I was trying to blame everybody else. I was trying to say, well, he's this way and he shouldn't be that way. And they're this way and they shouldn't be that way. And I wasn't looking at what way I was being. And the fact that there was something within me that needed healing and that needed, needed to speak up, needed to, you know, and I discovered I didn't really need to yell. I just mm. needed to be insistent. I just needed to be consistent. And I needed to be there and not back away, not retreat. So, 
so you were writing this book about how to treat others, the golden rule, which we use in our house a lot. I'm always like, are you living the golden rule? What is the golden rule? We do it all the time. Right, right. You were not like putting a mirror up and saying, are you doing the golden rule to yourself is what you're saying. Right, right. Well, in writing the book, okay, you say, what is the golden rule? You know, treat others as you would want to be treated. What is the first thing you have to know in order to know how to treat others? I would think how you want to be treated. Exactly. Yeah. Who around here knows what they want? Who admits what they they want might be a better question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And because we haven't admitted it for so long, do we even know what it is anymore? True. And that was like a bombshell to my heart when that spoke to me and said, honey, what do you want? And Mm -hmm. I'm going, um, I want everybody to be happy. You know, I was like, okay, how's that gonna work? Um, yeah, so I realized that if I wanted to be recognized and I wanted to be seen and heard, that I had to hear myself, that I had to look into myself. And I realized that the golden rule is like a lesson book on how to get to know yourself. Oh, and then wow. how to love yourself because it's like a mirror, it's, you have to think. You can't use it without thinking first, me, what do I want? Mm -hmm. And then you know how to treat others. But you also then, because you stopped to look at your heart and to see what that meant for you, you honored yourself. You just spent a half a second, a split second, or or if you spent, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes on figuring that out, you just stopped and honored yourself. This feels like... There's something like I can feel in my belly. That's just like, this is, this is such, so huge because we do, we all yes. know the golden rule. You say the golden rule, everybody knows some manner of what that is or has a sense of what it means, but it's, you know, so quickly just like boiled down to don't hit them. They don't, you don't like being hit. Not the, the really deep seated beliefs of like, what do I really want? What's the bigger vision of this? Right. Right. That's so, so powerful. I- I had a series of of steps. So when I was writing this parenting book, what is the first thing that I would want? Well, I would want to be acknowledged. So you acknowledge your kids for who they are. You know? And the next one is, well, you want to believe the best about them. You, so I had these five steps you know, worked out for the kids. And when this book turned from a parenting book into a self-help book, then I was able to acknowledge myself and see myself for who I was, not for who everybody else wanted me to be, because that's what I'd been doing. I had been just being who other people wanted me to be. I had been, you know, the chauffeur, you know, there's that, there's that, I love that big laundry list when you talk about all the jobs a mom does, you know, she's a, she's a nurse, she's a chauffeur, she's a cook, she's a laundry, she's, you know, she does all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I think we, we sometimes get lost in that. And home then feels like drudgery, maybe isn't the word. It's not really drudgery, but it's just, it's it's like a trap. It's a box. You're in a box and it's not a box that you made. It's yeah. a box that you're trying to fit into, a box that you're trying to please others. And my, my message since I had that revelation, I'm like, 
I want everyone to realize how important they are to mm -hmm. themselves, not just to their family, not just to their husband and their children. And then I found out that I can show up better for them because I have more peace in my heart because I know who I am and I can respond from me. Was there a tangible difference in the way you parented? Then you said you had six children when you kind of started this process. So did you notice a tangible difference in how you say parented the first, even like three or four to how you parented the last three or four, like not, maybe not the transition years there, but like, is there, can you sit, step back and say, and not to like say I did better with them or better with them, but just was there a noticeable shift? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember uh, in my, in my own family, going back to my house after I'd left, there's 13 years in between me and my youngest, my youngest uh, sister and going back home and mom, why are you letting her get away with this? <laughs> You've done that for me. Yeah. And she just looked at me with just a sweet face and just said, I'm tired. I'm old. <laughs> That's trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. And now I see it. I see it. Um, but with the, yeah, with the first kids, it was like, I was still on autopilot. I still, you know, was just kind of doing things. But as I started to get lost, as I started to realize there was something going on that I wasn't figuring out, it's almost like I, I didn't want to do things like I had been doing, but I wasn't really sure what direction to go yet. So there was a period in there where I didn't feel like, I was there for them. You know, there was still food in the house. There was still, but I didn't, I don't feel like I was as present as I could have been mm -hmm. in each of their moments. But at the same time, I think they maybe felt a little more freedom mm. um, because things weren't regimented as they were. And I don't know that they appreciated it that much because now <laughs> later they're like, well, mom, yeah, you weren't all that consistent with this. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, and now as, as I have found more of who I am and, you know, I, I wrote the book on me, <laughs> that parenting book's still going to come out later. <laughs> it had to be, it had to be a journey for the self first, because I feel like if you don't have yourself in line, none of the parenting hacks are going to be uh, consistent long-term for the long haul, you know, because there's still that, there's still that something in there that you're missing because your own soul doesn't get filled. Mm -hmm. Your own home doesn't feel like it's growing you. It's all for everybody else. Do you think that it's, it's more challenging for the children than like you, you obviously created a beautiful home for them where, you know, they were fed, they were, they were warm, they were loved. But do you think that like your lack of presence made a significant difference in spite of the fact that they had all those things? Or do you think that it, it was it was not as impactful as it, it might have sounded. Um, 
I think it made a difference, but not a better or a worse difference. Mm-hmm. Because I know from my my older kids, um, one of them really struggled with depression. And I thought maybe because I because we were more regimented, maybe he wasn't allowed to explore himself okay. the way he could have otherwise. Um, and with parenting, well, and with from a children's point of view, there's always grass on the other side that's greener. You know what I mean? Always. It's life. like whether a, if if a if a child has been you know raised with a more permissive style, they're going, why didn't you you know hold me to task better? And if they were held to task, why didn't you let me explore more? You know, there's always the road less traveled. You know, there's always that other path that that you really don't know what it would have been like. You know, maybe it would have been worse. Maybe it would have been better. I don't know. And every but, child is so different that what works for one is not going to work for another. Absolutely. So, I mean, absolutely. really, like you were the perfect parent for them at that stage because that's where you were together, right? That's who I was, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was a parent and I was there, even though I may not have been a, as present as I thought I would, I was still there. Yeah. You know, which is... and we had puppies. Yeah. <laughs> All I kids everything puppies, better. right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. It does. It does. I love my youngest. Um, I love when, when he says, prayers with us whether we're blessing the food or whatever and and thank you for the fun puppies whenever we have a litter that's so fun <laughs> it always comes out in in his prayers you know and in his he just when he has a you know is having a hard time or you know it's like honey you got to get off the screen you've hit on the screen too much oh okay and then out he is with the puppies there's or something with the about babies. Puppies, so. <laughs> there's something about babies though it doesn't matter yes. what species they are yes. babies are just yes. magic uh-huh for sure. I totally, totally agree. And that is the one thing about having a bigger family um, and, and I think to work an extended family to some degree, you know, where you have access to nieces or nephews or very young children. But but watching those teenage boys or, and even teenage girls, you know, just watching those teenagers, their their whole self softens when they you know pick up the baby mm-hmm. and just or just bringing home a baby with with older kids around just changes their aura changes their demeanor mm-hmm. yeah for a little bit and then they're teenagers again <laughs> they are who they are <laughs> yes yes yeah. they are who they are but yeah and so yeah we have but I do have to remind myself sometimes because I think we all get down on ourselves because there are so many expectations there are so many people around us pulling at our attention you know, nudging us here, nudging us there. I'm just, I'm, I'm just wondering if you, so you felt when you felt more centered, mm-hmm. do you think that naturally brought like the whole family back to like home focus? Do you think it affected once you like found your, found your center like that? Did it bring everyone back into center? I'm curious if that was something you noticed. <laughs> Yeah, I found that when I felt more centered, when I felt that I was honoring myself, that, um, and looking back, I can't really say that as a whole, but I found that my relationship with each individual child 
became fuller and richer. Mm-hmm. I was able to relate to them better mm-hmm. <clears throat> because I wasn't just listening to understand what I was supposed to do for them. Okay. But I was listening to their heart and wanted to express my heart. Mm-hmm. It was more of a heart to heart relationship rather than a, how can I serve you relationship? Wow. And, you know, service has to be involved in a home scenario. You know, mm-hmm. you serve each other. But when you're serving for approval and when you're serving for love, there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And if your love for yourself isn't there, then that there's not... I mean, I mean, yeah, you serve them because you love them. But you also have yourself to yourself to love. Mm-hmm. You know, the the other way to say the golden rule is you love each other as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the other way to say the golden rule. Yes. And loving your neighbor, your closest neighbors are the ones in your house, the ones in your family. Mm -hmm. And that heart to heart service, that heart to heart relationship gets so much deeper and so much more fulfilling when your heart is, your heart is in it. And not just your service, not just, you know, lip services. Oh, what, you know, what am I? Because that just seemed to be what I was doing all the time. Is like, what, what do they need now? And what do they need? What does he need? What does she need? What does, um, oh, what am I supposed to do for this 4-H meeting? What am I supposed to do for this? Mm-hmm. Because I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily where my heart was. Right. Yeah, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. okay well I really appreciate you opening up to us like that this and I actually have one last question that I like to ask my guests and if you could answer that I would appreciate it it's just if when I say the word home what does it evoke in you what does it make you think or feel what does that word mean to you well that's such a great question because I think it has changed over the years mm. I think home to me before was, was, I mean, it's always family to me. There's people, there's love, you serve each other. Um, But now home has to start in the heart. Home has to have everyone, everyone's hearts in it, including moms, Mm -hmm. including dads. Um, sometimes there's the one child that like serves everybody else. The one child who is the, the mega peacemaker, you know, it's like their superpower, mm-hmm. but they get so caught up. Um, and I, I have one like that, that, you know, if anybody was upset, he was always the one offering his toy or offering something or, or, you know, offering something to make it better. And then it would be made better. But then I think that's part of what 
was so frustrating for him later is that um, that he didn't have his heart in it. He was always looking to everyone else's hearts. And I think that's, right. he, he's probably a really good example. <laughs> he probably just followed his mom's example. <laughs> oh. that's, that's what got him into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. home, home is where your heart is, mm-hmm. is, is a say, you know, it's, it's a popular saying, you know, home is where the heart is. Mm-hmm. But we don't think about what that really means is it it has to have everyone's hearts in it everyone's hearts need to be seen and everyone's hearts need to be heard and when your heart is there and you can see everyone else's hearts and your relationship is coming from the heart truly in a loving manner that includes everyone including each person to themselves that's when the home really, really satisfies and the home really, really fills, fills your, your heart and your soul. Amazing. Thank you. Well, before we sign off, I'd love it if you tell everyone where they can find you and where they can find your book and how they could connect with you. Well, thank you. Thank you. My book is called Love Yourself First, Finding Joy in the Golden Rule. And then I have a workbook coming out called Friend Yourself First. It's a more active, interactive. So look for it in December. Hopefully it will be out before the holidays. Awesome. And I have a Facebook group, um, Adrian Boer Author. And and I love to connect people just on my Adrian Boer. I have a lot of a lot of followers on just my Facebook profile as well. And I have a website that I'm working on. So okay. Okay. <laughs> well, connect I'm... on Facebook, then I'll be posting on Facebook. Great. So that. we'll we'll link all those things in the show notes and then people can connect with you. Oh, thank you. Thank Excellent. you. Thanks Appreciate so much, Adrian. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been a joy talking to you. It was and really thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation, my friends. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Join the Facebook community to stay inspired about home-centric living. Check out my tips on creating a home-focused life in the show notes. And if you have any questions for me or today's guest, submit them below and I will do my very best to get them answered. I want everyone to feel inspired to see the power of a strong and secure home life. So please share this episode with someone who came to mind during the conversation. I'll see you next Monday, my friends, because we never miss a Monday around here.